Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we might get this wrong and we might get it right, but we're just going to follow the leading of the Lord. And Earlier this week, <clears throat> well, really for the past two weeks, but this week especially, I've been seeking the Lord and praying and I just had some things come up in my spirit that I felt like we needed to do something a little different this morning. How many of you... <laughs> How many of you are just, sometimes you get fed up or tired with just doing a routine? Am I the only one? Routines are, sometimes routines are good. Uh, habits, there's healthy habits, there's good habits. But how many of you know we can get into a ditch, we can get into a rut, and we can fall into some things sometimes that aren't healthy? And then it's hard to kind of pull ourselves out of them. And sometimes the only way to pull yourself out of that rut is to just make a drastic change. And so, as I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to, to teach. I want you to share some things that I want to declare to the body, and then y'all do praise and worship. I said, okay, well, that'll be a little different, but we can do that. And so, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, I... Uh, uh, how many of you know that we are in a battle... I got a good amen on that one. How many of you feel like you've been in a battle for the last week, couple of weeks, couple of months? All you got to do, if you don't think that we're in a battle, is turn the TV on for about three minutes and see what's transpiring in our political system and in our country. And I've talked to folks and they've said, you know, well, what about this candidate? What about that candidate? Listen to me, guys. It's got nothing really to do with the candidates because the, the battle that we're facing, the battle that we're wrestling is not with flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and rulers of darkness in, in high places. And this battle that we're in, I think sometimes there's a apathy that has come into the church where the church just kind of allows what happens, happens, and we don't do or take the stand on the wall that we're supposed to take a stand on and really fight. Um, so I'm going to ask you to, to believe God. Will you believe God with me this morning that I will be able to articulate and get out what is so strong inside of me in love? But I do want to go, you know, don't you wish that uh, sometimes sermons had like spiritual health labels, you know, 75%. Uh, yeah, warning, 75% of this message will be high protein, you know. It will get all up in, it will build your muscles. 20% of it will be fat, you know. It's just going to be that good fat, you know. And then 10% of it's going to be filler, you know. Not any much of anything, just make it smell good, taste good. I'm going to go ahead and warn you a little bit ahead of time. I'm going to say some things this morning that are going to be direct. I'm going to say some things that you may not like. You may not understand it. Uh, but I believe that what I'm sharing is from the Word of God because I'm going to back it up with Scripture and I'm going to share some Word with you. But I'm also going to share some things with you that are going to make you, that are going to open our eyes to see things, to see some things about praise and worship a little differently. And so with that mindset, I, let me just say this. Being that we're in a battle, you would think that when we come to church on Sundays, We'd be ready. We would be geared up. We would be believing God together. And there are times when we have come in here on Sunday mornings 
And I mean, you just, you have to peel everybody off the walls. I mean, it's just so powerful in the anointing. And then sometimes you come in here and it's like, what, what happened? Everybody, it got real quiet just then. I'm going to talk to you about some of those things. You ever wondered how some services or some praise and worship services will be wonderful and then some won't? And you wonder why. You're like, well, what's going on? Is it the, is it the pastor? Is it the elders? Is it the praise and worship team? Is it the praise and worship leader? Is it the one that's called to be the praise and worship leader for this season? Is it the praise and worship team? Is it the people? Is it the atmosphere? And the answer is yes. All of the above. And so I begin to ask the Lord, begin to take me through a process. And you think it's one thing, you think it's this thing, you think it's this thing. And, and it, what's, what's amazing is how the Lord would just kind of fit all that in together and make a, a piece of the puzzle. So let me go ahead and just set the pink elephant in the room. There's an apathy in the church today. Okay? I'm not just talking about us. I mean, there is an apathy that comes along with, but there's an apathy upon the body of Christ right now, and that apathetic spirit is exactly what the enemy wants. Because if you're apathetic, if you're just laid back and you're just case sirrah, sirrah, and whatever will be, will be, you're not a threat to the enemy. You realize that when you, and I said it last Sunday, but do you realize that when you, how many of you, I look around this room, and I'm, I know most of you, some of you may be visiting, so if you're visiting with us, hey, welcome to New Covenant Church, we're doing it a little different this morning. But if you're a born-again believer, if Christ himself, if you have made him Lord of your life, you've asked him to come into your heart, you've made him Lord of your life, when you walk into a room, the demons shake with fear. When Jesus would walk through and he would begin to teach, the demons would say, Whoa, uh, have you come to torment us, Son of God, before it's time? They recognized who Jesus was. The demons would, go, would how many times would they come up against the apostles? And sometimes the apostles would whip them, and the other times they would whip the apostles. Because their, their, their faith, their power, their trust rested in their ability rather than in his ability. And I'm telling you that when you walk into a room, the demons start scrambling around like roaches when you turn the lights on. And what they're waiting to see is they're waiting to see is if you realize what's in you more than they realize and see what's in you. Because if you don't realize what's in you, and you don't see what's in you, and you don't know what's in you, then you're not a threat. You'll be walking around with this nuclear reactor inside of you of power, but if you don't know it, and you never tap into it, you're not a threat. And that's the apathetic spirit that the enemy has tried to come in with the church. Why is it that you don't have to go to a football game and encourage people to get excited. There's just an excitement in the air. You ever notice how some games have more excitement than others? Kind of like the Lowndes-Tifton uh, game. Or in my neck of the woods, the Lowndes-Valdosta game. There's more energy in the atmosphere when Lowndes and Valdosta played because they were such 
you know, inner city, same city, same route. I mean, just the rivalry that's there. So much energy. What do you think is the difference between that energy? What makes that difference in the, in the, in the atmosphere? Is it the promotion that they do to advertise the football game? No. Is it the money they spend? No, because they don't spend very much, if any, more money than they do at any other time. Because there's an expectation in the heart of the people for the move of that football game, and they know it's going to be it's going to be either one or two ways. It's if one team's going to win and one team's going to lose. And everybody that's rooting for Vadasta is wanting them to win, and everybody that's rooting for Lowndes High School is wanting them to win, and there's an atmospheric change when that week starts. You don't even really know when it starts, but sometime around Monday morning, everybody's getting geared up for that game. It starts. Everybody gets geared up. It's ready. Why don't we have that in the church? Well, because the, you know, the, because the lights are on. Or because the way the music sounds. Or the, I told you I was going to say some things to you this morning that you may not like, so just bear with me. We'll get there. Maybe the song choice, maybe the song selection wasn't right. Maybe the music one. Maybe somebody's off key and it throws you off. Let me ask you this. Whose responsibility is it to come to the house of the Lord prepared and ready to worship? Boy, y'all all answered that one. I'm, pr- I'm proud. Thank you. So then what, make, what makes the difference? Well, a number of things. You know, this morning, uh, yesterday, we made plans to do some things after church today that we were going to take the girls. Well, Hannah was riding her four, riding our nephew's four-wheeler, a little bitty four-wheeler, and she turned a corner too fast, and the four-wheeler flipped over on her, and it twisted her ankle a little bit. So our plans kind of got altered. So we was like, okay, so we prayed, we laid hands on her. She's had very little pain, if at all. I mean, she's been, she's been queen bee around the house. I mean, I have to pick her up, take her everywhere, and lay her down. You want me to get you anything? And she's, I'm almost ready to get her a little bell so she can ring it so I can come to her. She's got it made. That's the way it should be, right? But my point is that that happened, and so now we've got to make changes. We've got to make alterations. So we get up this morning, and I mean it's like from day, from start to finish. It's just like everything coming against you. That's what happened. You ever notice you fight with your spouse more on Sunday morning sometimes than any other time? Or your kids? or Why? Because the power of corporate unity is so volatile to the kingdom of darkness that he will do anything and everything. I mean, he'll make your pants not fit. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. He'll talk you into eating all that chicken the night before so you'd be bloated so when you put your pants on, they don't fit right. Anything he can do to try to get you so where you're not connected when you walk through that door, he'll do it. Anything. See, the un, uh, uh, let me say it this way. Anything he can do so when you drive up to the parking lot and you don't see very many cars, it's like your expectation goes... Here's something, here's a thought I'm going to leave you with on that and then we'll move on. The renewed mind, 
The born again renewed mind of a child of God is neither impressed nor intimidated with numbers. I was listening. How many of you know what the full gospel businessmen's association was started in the 70s? You ever heard of the Voice magazine back in the 70s and the 80s? Okay, it was a magazine with the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement together. This man who was a, a dairy farmer, the Lord spoke to him and he began to hold these meetings and nobody would show up. It'd be at the most 18 people. He invited Oral Roberts to come for one of the first meetings and he publicly promoted it and 18 people showed up. He was embarrassed. But Oral Roberts stood up there and preached as if there were thousands. The renewed mind is neither intimidated nor impressed with numbers. We got to change the way we think. We got to change the way we approach church. We got to change the way we, we think about church. We got to think and change the way we approach coming together corporately, or the enemy's going to win. And he's not going to win overall because God's purposes are going to be done. But if you and I don't change the way we think, if we don't change our mindset, he will continue to be satisfied with an apathetic church. And I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about globally, that will never be a dynamic force for the kingdom of God to influence the world that we live in. Come on, Pastor. Can't you be a little more positive? I am being positive. I am positive that the enemy will come against you any way, shape, form, or fashion that he can to get you off of your expectancy. See, it's your hope. It's your expectancy. It's our expectancy. When we raise the level of expectancy in this room, there's something that happens. There's a call, you know, the, the, the old black gospel churches used to call to where there was a call to worship. Why? Because when people would drag in, they'd drag in like this with every bit of mess that they had happen from the whole week. And that person would stand up and call them to worship. There's a lot of times I've gotten up there and I've done that. Or, or somebody else has gotten up there and done that. Why? Because I'm trying to get you, we're trying to get all of us to move out of the mentality of what's happened during the week and, and rest in the fact that we are here together corporately and there's anointing that only happens right here that we can't have any other time. Except, let me say this, not any other time as far as Sunday morning, not like Sunday morning is sacred. I'm talking about any other time when we come together. I went to uh, one of the connect groups. I've been to every connect group, and every connect group, there's a unity, there's a dynamic that only happens in that connect group. What is it? It's unified uh, togetherness where we come together to worship, to lift up the name of Jesus, to pray, to seek the Lord, to hear the word of the Lord, and to just encourage one another. And that's what happens on Sunday mornings. But yet we come in from time to time and we just, mm, well, I'll get there. This is, I've heard this before. Well, I just can't get there. Hmm. Why can't you get there? Well, that certain praise and worship song doesn't do it for me. Let me say this. That's carnal. 
Boy, that went over good. That's carnal. The unrenewed mind thinks that you have to put me and place me and draw me into a place of worship. The Bible, Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, he said, draw near unto God and he will what? What more does he have to do to us to convince us to draw near to him? Heard people say, well, I've had somebody say to me one time before, they said, well, I'm just not ready. And then I go, well, why? And it's like you took a two by four and smacked them upside the head because nobody's ever asking that. Why are you not ready? Now they got it. Now they take the responsibility off of everybody else. And now that question promotes them and says, why are you not ready? And now they have to look inside and go, why am I not ready? Because what else does he have to do? He draws us. He draws us with, it's the goodness of God that leads, that leads, that leads, that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to this place where we go, oh, I'm going to change my mind. And I'm telling you, praise and worship is an aspect of him leading us to experience another dimension of his goodness and his glory that we have not tapped into. Worship is about his worth, not your feelings. Worship is about what He's worthy, not what you feel like He's worthy. He is worthy whether you give Him glory and honor or not. You and I giving Him glory and honor does not dissipate or take away from His worthiness. Us giving Him worth and Him glory and Him honor is for you and for me, not for Him. Not just, let me say it this way, not just for Him. The angels, Lucifer himself, gave worth and honor to the Lord and worshiped him. But it wasn't what the Father wanted. He desired a people that would worship him out of their own free will. That's why the angels marvel and they say, Why have you, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him, that you have made him a little lower? One translation says angels, but that's not the correct translation. You've made him a little lower than God. Why, what is it about this man? And it, you ever notice that, that he doesn't ever answer that question? Because he doesn't have to. Because the angels are subject to him. But he demonstrates his goodness and his forbearance and his love for us. And then we come to the church and we have to be moved to a place to worship and honor the Lord? Shame on us. I say this to my, I, I'm saying this to myself at times. I have learned through the years that I could go to a church that didn't have an organ. I mean, didn't have a set of drums or a vocalist or an electric guitar. And they had one of them old $50,000 pipe organs, that, well, however much them things are. And I can worship the Lord because it's not about what they promote. It's about what I promote, what I bring to the Lord. Worship is about His worth. It's about His worth. Say that with me. Worship is about His worth. You know, oftentimes we as believers, we settle for theological answers to satisfy the desires and the needs inside of us without ever experiencing that thing itself. In other words, we can come into a service 
and we settle for the preacher or the pastor or the teacher or even what we read to satisfy us in our desires, but that was never the intent of God himself. His intent was for us to encounter him daily. Worship is about entering into an encounter with the living God. Revelation is supposed to draw us into a deeper encounter with the Father. And when we read the Word of God, that should draw us even more into a deeper encounter with God. But so much of the time it becomes a head knowledge rather than an experience itself. If you read the Bible and you read it like a book and you don't encounter to God, then you're doing it wrong. You are. You're doing it wrong. Because when you read the Word of God and you come into an encounter with Him, it draws, there's no possible way that it won't draw you in. Let me say it this way close your eyes for a minute. Just close your eyes. And just think about Jesus for a moment. Just think about the Lord. What Jesus did, what he provided, and God the Father. Just think about that for a moment. And just, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to What's that do for you? What is that? That's us putting ourselves in a place mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually where we just honor the Lord. Keep your eyes closed. Come on. I love you, Lord. Come on, sing it with me. And I live my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, What's the difference? What's the difference? See, if you can't enter in, if you can't do that, then what? ask yourself, I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying, well, why didn't you do that? I'm asking you to ask yourself this question. Why didn't you? Why can't you? Is it because you feel unworthy? Because that's a lie. I'm so way off my notes. It ain't even funny. How is it that when we come into a worship service, we think 
that the things that matter in our life don't matter to the Lord. And I heard the Lord say this. The things that matter to you and the things that are important to you are important to Him. I'm not saying that in the cosmos of utmost importance they're important. But in one sense they are because they're important to you. And He's your Father and He loves you. So the things that are important to you are the things that are important to Him. And if they're not important to Him... Well, I just can't believe you said that, Pastor. How in the world? Because what if you were thinking about something that just ain't that important? He loves you enough to where he's not intimidated by what you think is important. But because he loves you and because what you think is important, he has a sneaky way of getting in there and changing your importance and bringing those things that are really important to him as he draws you near. How many times did Jesus meet the physical need of somebody before he addressed the spiritual problem? That's grace. His mercies are new every morning. That means when you and I wake up, woke up this morning, we had a new batch of mercies. That's good news. Boy, I jacked up yesterday six ways from Sunday. Well, that's all right. It's a brand new day. See, that's something to, to grab on. That's something that's encouraging. That's something that should draw us in to an ever uh, ever encountering place with the Lord. Turn to John chapter 4. I've talked enough. Now let me get some word in you. John chapter 4 says this. I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some scriptures. So I may not have time to put them on the screen, but you can just follow along. John chapter 4, Jesus goes to this uh, to go get some water. And first of all, he goes to, uh, he goes to a Samaritan woman. Well, the, how many of you know racial tension is not anything new? There was some racial tension. And, and, and the Jewish people didn't relate to the Samaritans, much less a Samaritan woman. They believed women to be far much lower than they were in superiority. And so they did, they're not. And what I like about Jesus is he just walks right up to those things and he just blows them right out of the water. He says to H-E double hockey sticks with racism and to H-E double hockey sticks with sexism. And he begins to encounter and, 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 and this woman doesn't even realize who she's talking to. How many of you know you don't have to understand everything about God to encounter God and walk away and go, something was different about that place? Because his understanding, your understanding is not a prerequisite for you being changed in the presence of God. Because your body, every cell in your body, every cell on this earth, Colossians said, is held together by him. So that means your cells will respond to the presence of God when you're in that place. That's why the enemy don't want you there. Because it's in the presence. It's in his presence where you're changed, where you become more like him, where the fullness of his glory begins to change us from the inside outside. Of course he doesn't want you to praise and worship. John chapter 4. So he begins to carry on a conversation with her. And he begins to say, look here, I got some water. 
that you'll drink, you won't ever be thirsty again. And she's like, look here, I want some of that water. And he begins to read her mail, and she begins to, he begins to say, uh, he said, she said, woman answered, verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> and so he goes on, and this is what he says. He says, verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship. We, what, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and even now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and the truth. For the Father is what? What's he, what's he doing? He's seeking for what? Okay, back up. But the hour is coming, and now he is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in what? In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such worship. What worship is he seeking? What is spirit and truth worship? What is worshiping him in spirit and in truth? What does that mean? That means you worship him whether you feel like it or not. That's what that means. That means you worship him when you ha when you happy and you worship him when you angry. You worship him when you sad and you worship him when you bitter. He's looking. You think that do you you think for one minute that God is intimidated by our philosophy? Or our emotional well-being and stature at that time? No. He knows that the answer to what we have and what we need in our life is when we encounter God through worship and praise. Verse 24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must, must, must. There's no other option. Must worship him in spirit and truth. What matters is not where one worships, but the attitude of the heart and mind. True worship is not mere form and ceremony, but spiritual reality, which is in harmony with the nature of God who is the Spirit. Worship must also be in truth, that is, transparent, sincere, and according to biblical mandates. Listen to me, guys. Our identity... <laughs> Our identity was created to worship him in spirit and truth. There's only two things that keep, or, or let, me say, let me see if I can get this out right. There's only two reasons, I won't say only, let me say, let me say two reasons that I've identified so far. There's two reasons that prevent us from worshiping and praising the Lord. Number one, you can't praise somebody you don't know. And have never experienced. That's why he doesn't expect us to worship him without an experience from him. Mm, come on now, that'll preach now right there, won't it? That's why he says, 
Uh, go back to Romans. That's why he said, it's the, do you not know that it's the goodness of God that leads? Come on. Come on, this way. It's the goodness of God that leads us to that encounter where we say, glory. I just feel, I feel better. I, I'm healed. I'm whole. What is the natural response for someone who's been giving something where there has been nothing expected in return? You worship. God's not expecting us to worship Him without an encounter with Him. But when you have that encounter with Him, what causes us, so you, the number one is you, don't worship, you can't worship something you've not known or you've never experienced. So once a person has experienced and had an encounter with God, what would cause them not to worship? What would cause them not to worship? Carnality. In other words, you have to be uh, pacified. I guess we have to be pacified in our fleshly desires to move us into a place of worship. See, here's another lie. (laughs) I don't know if I want to go that direction or not. Just yet. I don't feel like it. David said in Psalm 34, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Let me, tell, let me go ahead and save you. As your, as, a, as, a, as your pastor and as a pastor, let me go ahead and save you from a lot of hurt, a lot of challenges in your life. If you only do what you feel like doing, your life is going to suck. Your life is going to consist of your feelings. And your feelings will let you down time and time again. Even a while ago, when we said, I love you, Lord, come on, close your eyes and let's just lift up the name of Jesus. And you kept your eyes open because you didn't feel like it. Well, then you go right ahead because your life is going to be just hard as mess the whole life because you're not willing to do what you're not wanting to do. Be willing. <clears throat> he said if you be willing and obedient, you would eat the good of the land. That's what he told. That's what he told us. Willingness is more important. He said obedience, okay, is better than sacrifice. So if you're not willing, at least obey. But I'm going to tell you right now, take it a step further. Just be willing and the obedience will come. Just be willing to do what the Lord wants you to do. Just be willing to put yourself in a place you were created to do. Listen, you and I were created, our cells and our body were created to respond to the manifest presence of God himself. Because this flesh right here, this flesh right here was created and breathe life into by God. So when God shows up, the hair on your arm stands up. Why? Because it was created to be encountered with God daily. We've been lied to. Whether you know, boy, that was a powerful worship service. They had smoke and lights and the most dynamic praise and worship team on that stage. Boy, that was good. What did they sing? I don't remember. Then it wasn't good. All you did was get entertained. 
I was going to save this till the end, but I'm going to give it to you now. If you come to church only to be entertained, you're carnal. I was, and listen, I'm, I've been talking to, uh, uh, we've been trying to crack this praise and worship nut for a long time. What is it? <clears throat> and the Lord's begin to show me it's all of us. <clears throat> it's not just him. It's not just her. It's not just Ryan. It's not just the singers. It's not just the sound man. It's all of us. I said, it's all of us. You want to see revival and breakthrough in your life? You want to see breakthrough in the life of this church? Then we all come together and we all make a decision to worship the name of Jesus together. When's the last time you ever been to a, a, a battle? When's the last time you ever seen a movie in a battle where the Army, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whatever, and the lieutenant or the commander on the ground turns and looks to one of the soldiers and says, listen, you're going to have to calm down a little bit. You're a little too excited. Guys, we're in a battle. You need to get pumped up and excited. I want you aggressive. Bless God, I want you, you want to grab a flag and run around a hundred times around the building, outside, inside, and ever said, do it. Light yourself on fire and run for Jesus. Second Samuel. Second Samuel. Why is it we come to church and we think we're supposed to be entertained? Because we've, we've created that monster. That's why. We've created it. Listen, don't get me wrong. I believe in excellence on that stage. I believe that every person on that praise and worship team needs to have an encounter with God daily before they ever set foot up on that stage. And that's not always happening. I'm going to pick on y'all a little bit. Is that okay for a minute? So Michael comes in, and he's had a crappy week. I mean, it's just been one of them weeks where, you know, you just put that on the top five. The top five crappiest weeks of my life was this week. And he's supposed to come in here and lead praise and worship. And then Haley's on the piano. She picks up on his crappy week because he's had a crappy week. Now she's crappy. Ryan gets on the drums. He automatically felt, but he's shielded by that shield, so he just does his thing. But they're not in unity. And then Faith is up on the stage. She's picking up on everybody's crappiness, and now she's crappy. Is it okay if I say that word? Then we have a big crap shoot, he said. And so then you come in, and it's like you hit a wall of crappiness. And everybody's like, what's going on? I don't know. And then the singers are up there and they're singing. And they're not worshiping. They're singing. I said they're singing. They're not worshiping. That'd be like me talking and not preaching. Man, I'm telling you right now, if I get to where I feel like I'm just talking, I'm the Casey, come on up here and dismiss everybody. Let's just go home. Because all I'm doing is talking. I don't want to talk. I don't want to. I want the word of the Lord to be articulated and to come out. This is the same thing with that praise and worship team. Okay, now, I picked on them. So whose fault is that? Theirs, right? It's their fault. And let me ask you this question. Does that prevent you from entering into the presence of God yourself? Nope. 
Sure don't. But I don't like it. I didn't ask you if you didn't like it. I didn't ask you if you liked it. I said, can you enter in? <clears throat> it's amazing to me how people say, I can't enter in. Well, what's preventing you from entering in? Because my Bible says what? Come boldly. I don't have to have an invitation. I'll be honest with you. I don't really care whether you like it or not. I'm going to enter in. I know if Brother Bill was here this morning, he'd say the same thing. It really doesn't matter because I'm going to do this. I'm going to enter in. Well, what about new believers? I'm not talking about new believers. Well, yes, I am talking about new believers. When you come in this building and the atmosphere is crappy and you're a mature believer that's been walking with the Lord for 20 years, what do you think somebody that's been walking with God for 20 days is going to look like? I stood up on that stage last Sunday and led present worship. Okay? So let me give you a little background. Because I've talked to some people and asked them, you know, what, how, what did you sense, whatever. <clears throat> so Michael texts me that morning at, well, I don't remember, 7 o'clock? 6.30, 7 o'clock. Brother, I ain't going to be able to make it. I'm sick. And I had already, I was already coming to play the drums to just help. Because, you know, everybody knows you can't enter into praise and worship unless the drummer's here. Do you see what I'm saying? Everybody knows you. If, if you just get up there with a guitar, you can't enter in. you got to have the whole band, especially on Sunday. I mean, it'd be different if we was at home church or connect group, but not on Sunday. you got to have the whole band. And everybody knows the projectors have got to work because how can you enter in if you don't know the words? Are you see what I'm saying with all this? Am I getting somewhere? So I said, no problem. We'll, we'll deal with it. Now, we as elders have gone into the elder room and it's just, it's just a culture. We've created a culture where it really doesn't matter how we feel. We as elders will step into that place and we'll pray and enter into worship and it don't really matter how we feel about each other or what the day's going like, right? We just enter in and the glory will come. I won't say that. That's wrong. It's not that the glory comes. It's that we step into another dimension of the manifest presence and glory of God that's already in us, but we experience it differently being together. Can I say it like that? It changes the atmosphere. Okay, so five minutes. So I get here, and Michael's here warming up, and we got two guest musicians with us playing. And so Michael turns, and we, we run through the three songs that we were going to do or whatever. And Michael says, I, I, I'm about to pass out. Five minutes before 10 o'clock. Everybody say, 10 till, I mean, five till 10. He comes to me and says, I can't do it. Or oh, what did I say? It's all right. All right, go on. Last thing we want you is, you know, we don't want nobody throwing up on the stage. Go home, brother. We prayed for him. We agree with him. So I got, what, 10 minutes to come up with something? I know those songs, but I haven't played those songs on the, on the guitar. I ain't even picked up my guitar in six months. So now I'm supposed to lead praise and worship. So well, I got two options. We can either stick a tape in, a CD, or watch YouTube worship, or we can just come together and worship together. 
And we did. We came together and we worshiped. Now, I say this. I'm not condemning you. I'm not getting on to you. I'm saying this with love, okay? But you should see what I saw Sunday. You should see what they see on the stage Sunday. Now, I picked on them. I'm on, I, I shouldn't say pick. I've addressed their part. Now, I'm going to address your part. You should have seen what people look like. You would think we have just young believers, just people that don't know any better, but we know better. And we have people just looking at me. Like, what? I don't even, where are we going? I mean, honestly, I didn't know we were going. Just stick your hands up in the air and let's just worship the Lord together. What has created that mentality? What has fostered that in the church? Religion. And I'm going to show you how, I'm going to show you why. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now I'm going to take this story for a few minutes and I'm going to boil it down because we're not going to get to all I wanted to get to today, but we're going to pick back up. 2 Samuel chapter 6. David, who was after the Father's heart, David, who is listed as a man after God's own heart, he desired the presence of God. He didn't have the presence of God like we have it. He honored the presence. I'm going to say this and I feel like the Lord wants me to say it. David, a lot of times in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament, it seems that they gave more honor to the presence of God that was not yet embodied in us than we do, and we have the presence inside of us. The level of attention to detail and honor and glory and money that went into housing the presence of God and the honor that they took to hold the presence of God would absolutely blow your mind. And we treat it. If the smoke and the temperature in the room is not right, I can't enter in. So David is bringing the presence of God back and bringing it to Jerusalem. But instead of doing it the way that God wants to do it, he puts it on an ox cart. And when the ox cart stumbles, uh, Uzzah reaches up to steady the ark, to steady the presence of God, and God smites him dead right there. And David got mad. And David was upset about it. Listen to me. The presence of God was never created to be manipulated, manhandled, or controlled by human devices. The presence of God was never, never intended to be housed in a building, on a ministry, or on an organization. The presence of God was always meant to be carried by people. You leave this building, the presence of God is in you. There's a level of the presence of God in this place because we, as the people, have consecrated it to Him. But it's not in this place. It's in you. I went to a Barry and Ina's Connect group Wednesday night and the presence of God was there. Why? Because we were there. Was His house anointed? Yes. But why was it anointed? Because He was there. Because she was there. 
because they consecrated it to the Lord. And we had an encounter with God and we had times of prophecy and prophetic inspiration and prayer because of the anointing, because of the anointing, because of the presence of God that resides on the inside of us. Not because the music and the temperature and the food and everything else was right. Because we were there. So David takes the ark and uh, puts it in Obed-Edom's house because he's mad. Goes on to Jerusalem. And the ark was there, I think, for three months. And everything that Obed-Edom touched turned to gold. And David said, maybe we ought to rethink this. And so they went back to the instruction manual in Exodus where God told them how to carry it. And they begin to carry it on the, on the shoulders of the priests. Guess what? That's you. You and I are priests. We are a kingdom. We are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. And so they're carrying the presence back. And David takes off. Everybody thinks he was naked. He wasn't naked. He was unclothed in his royal attire, and he was only had a linen uh, ephod on. Because when you came into the presence of God, you were required to wear linen because God doesn't like your sweat. Because it, even in the Old Testament, it was about His grace and not your work. And yet, we fast forward to the New Testament, and we still think that we got to work something up to enter into the presence of God. Come on, praise and worship team. Come on up. We still think we've got to work some things up to get into the presence. So I'm setting the stage because we're, we're going to step in, but I'm going to set the stage while they get ready because I want us to worship just for a few minutes. I want us to praise and worship just for a few minutes before we leave because instead of doing it at the beginning, I wanted to teach and let us do it in the end. So he's bringing this ark into Jerusalem. And I mean, everybody's lined up. They're excited. There's an excitement. What would happen if we came to church excited? I mean, how often do you get to come to church and see your brothers and sisters together? Once, maybe twice, and we still have to... I guess I'll go. And there's only... There's something that happens when we come together. So David's bringing this presence in. And David is dancing and rejoicing extravagantly, happily. I mean, there ain't no question that David loved Jesus, I mean, loved the Lord, because he's demonstrating it in his expressiveness to worship. And I want you to watch this. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Verse 15, so David and all the house of the Israel, all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, which was David's wife, looked through a window and saw David leaping and whirling before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. 
Religious and political spirits do not like expressive, emotional acts of worship. Why? Because it can neither be controlled nor measured. Religiousness and political spirits want worship to be measured and controlled and reasonable. Measured and controlled and reasonable. Listen to that. Stand up. Political spirits, religious spirits, religious spirits, religious spirits always want worship to be controlled and measurable and reasonable. How are you going to tell me what's reasonable? Well, now, brother, that's just getting a little carried away. You the same person that paints your face and talking about go dogs? No, 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 no. What's reasonable? Political spirits and religious spirits never like expressive, expressive times of praise and worship. And people say, well, maybe people don't like our praise and worship. Maybe it's too expressive. Good. I don't want to be water. I don't want, I want people to see our expression to the Lord and say, Lord, we love you. We worship you. We don't worship what man thinks. We don't worship what religious people think. We don't worship what we think. We worship you. And both of these mindsets resist, reject, and despise extravagant displays of worship. I don't have time to go into it because I wanted to get to this point. But listen to me, guys. There's a reason why they call it a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice is a step beyond convenience. You and I were created to express ourselves to the Lord. He said, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. He didn't say, for those of you that are outgoing and have an outgoing personality, boy, this is your time to shine. He said, shout to the Lord. Because you and I were designed to shout. You and I were designed to praise the Lord. We've been lied to. Well, that's just not me. That's not how I express myself to the Lord. Yes, it is. Because you were created to express yourself to the Lord. You were created to be encountering with the Father God Almighty and to go from that level of glory that you're at to another level of glory. See, there's dimensions to God. There's levels to God. In other words, we go from glory to glory. You don't just experience all there is to experience at one moment and you're done. We go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And it starts with an expression to the Lord. Oh, Father, we love you. Come on, now just get out of your comfort zone. Uh, 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 sacrifice is a step beyond what's convenient. Don't do what's convenient this morning. Do something different this morning. Put yourself in a place where you can express to the Lord how much you love him this morning. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, oh, we worship you. Come on, give up to the Lord a shout. Glory. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Don't just watch. 
Don't just stand there and, 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 and spectate, be a spectator. Participate. Close your eyes. Honor the Lord. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. And worship the Lord this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, here is Bring every change. 
that causes us to meditate on things we shouldn't. And we say, in the name of Jesus, we break you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel inspired, impressed, moved by the Holy Spirit to say it. So I'm not saying it. In one sense, I'm going to say it to try to get you to do something. But my heart, and I believe the heart of the Father to get you to do something, is not just so you'll do something, but because you'll move out of that place of convenience and move into the place of breakthrough, which is where it's at. But some of you are still standing there. Some of you are still in your, in your heart. And you just, for whatever reason, you just won't break out. 
And I don't mean that you ain't running around here and you're doing all that. That's, that may be it for you. But you won't, you won't step out of your convenience. You won't step out of your comfort zone and do something different. Listen, I, you're not going to make me feel better if you do it. Because I'm going to worship whether you do or not. But some of you need to step out of this place of convenience. This religious mindset that, the, that he has placed in your mind to think that I can worship God behind a chair. Well, yeah, you can worship God behind a chair if you've been the one seated and you've never done it. But if you're, if you're comfortable being there, I'm asking you to do something out of your comfort zone so that you can experience the breakthrough. See, this is where the breakthrough comes. The Lord's speaking to some of you right now about specific things in your life, and it's not a distraction. It's Him talking to you. Because He cares about every aspect of your life. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Just step out and say in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus, oh God.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here. <clears throat> I pray for everyone that is a part of New Covenant Church in Tiffany, Georgia. Father, I bind every satanic and demonic force that tries to set himself against our people. I rebuke the devourer for coming into your life to try to destroy your life. I take authority over it and I tell you, you are found out and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Father, I bind up every sickness, every disease, every congenital heart disease, every disease that is named under the name of man, and I say you are cursed in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, you were healed. 
Father, I take authority over every emotional disease that may be out there. People that have allowed their emotions or that the enemy has come and played and toyed with their emotions. And I say, you stop it right now in the name of Jesus. I come against every satanic force that tries to bind up your mind, that tries to tell you lies, that tries to tell you that you can't help it, that tries to tell you that that depression, that sadness, that inferiority complex. I bind up bipolar disease. I bind up schizophrenia. I bind up dementia. I bind up anything and everything that has to do with the mind. And I say you are arrested in the name of Jesus. I bind up any satanic strategy to come against your family members, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your uncles, your aunts, your grandchildren, your children, your parents. And I say you will not have them in the name of Jesus. I break every bondage. I break every religious spirit that has tried to set itself against our people, your people. I break the bondage of praise and worship religiousness that says that things have to be a certain way. I bind that and I break it in the name of Jesus. I break and bind all those demonic forces that try to influence us to think of people more less than they are I bind up all of those demonic forces that tries to come and tell us that people hurt our feelings or that we're bitter or that we're unforgiving and I bind all that in the name of Jesus and I say let love be the thing that drives us into relationship with each other let love be the thing that drives us into a deeper relationship a deeper encounter with you Lord I ask for you to help us step and experience another dimension of who you are that we would step over together into a greater level of who you are Lord that we would go from this present stage of glory which we've been here long enough that we would step into another level of glory
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mr. Denku, would you come and uh, read a word, pray for us? Would you close us out in prayer this morning? Casey, you got anything for me? When, when you are talking about David, how he worshipped God, we've come 2,000 years ahead, and I think we have this mentality that as a species we got more intelligent or something. I had Pastor Chuck Smith, who is a pastor of Calvary Chapel chair. He was, there's in the book of Isaiah, there's a debate about whether there were two authors or one author. And in these seminaries, people, so-called theologians, try to break it up. So Pastor Chuck, and with him, was arguing. So Pastor Chuck tells him, he quotes Jesus, quoting Isaiah. That shows that Isaiah was written by one author. And the pastor says, well, since Jesus, we have a lot of information or manuscript that's come to us. Pastor Chuck says, are you telling me you know more about Jesus? Think about that. If we want to worship God, we need to understand reverence. This little book insert came yesterday from TBN to our home, and I just happened to bring it today. And so this is God revealed through His name, God's name. And this is just a, just a few of what the Bible says God is. Adonai, that's a sovereign Lord. Everything belongs to him. He is above everything. Elohim, he's the creator. Genesis, everything we experience, everything we see, everything science tells us, God is the creator. Elohim Shayim, the living God. He was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. El Shanum, gracious God. He is gracious. That's why we are here. He is gracious. El Diot, God of knowledge. He is all-knowing. El Echad, the one God. There's only one God. 
El Elyon, the most high God. You need to worship him. El Emet, God of truth. There's only one truth. El Gibor, mighty God. He is mighty. There is nothing he cannot overcome. Satan is under his foot. El Hanora, awesome God. He is awesome. El Olam, everlasting God. From the beginning to the end. El Roy, the God who sees me. He looks at us individually. He deals with us individually. We have access to his throne of grace individually. El Sali, God my rock. We cannot be moved. El Shaddai, Almighty. Emmanuel, God with us. He is here. He hears us. He sees our hands, he sees our hearts, he sees our gestures, he sees our fears. He knows why we can't express ourselves to him, but he is gracious. Jehovah Elohei, the Lord, my God, he is your God individually. Jehovah Izer, the Lord, our helper, he is here to help you. And all circumstances, everything that you're struggling with, every circumstance that you have. Jehovah Molah, the Lord who rewards. <laughs> he rewards your worship. He knows when you say thank you, Jesus, he says, I'm happy. Jehovah Hosenu, the Lord, our maker. He makes us. Jehovah Jireh, he is a provider. Everything that you need is able, he is able to provide. Jehovah Makech, the Lord who molds me. He molds you into his own. He has a clay, he is a potter. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. He is your banner. You don't have to be afraid of anything else. He's the one behind you. When you pray, he says, I am your God. I am the one who gave my only begotten son for you. So I can reconcile you with myself. So I can defeat what the enemy has tried to do. Jehovah Rach, the Lord, my shepherd. He is your shepherd. He provides for you. He cares for you. He is surrounded you. There's only one gate to that place, and he stands at that gate. Nothing can go through there. You are safe with him. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals any issue we have with health. He is the healer. He is able he heals us. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shalom. I love that one. The Lord at peace. 
Do not be perturbed by what is going on in this world. Hold on to him and he will put his peace in your spirit. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He is around us. We cannot escape it. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness. Our righteousness. Because of him, our righteousness. Father, I just give you praise, Lord, today for what you put in our pastor's heart. This is not condemnation, Lord. It is just you trying to pull us towards you, Lord. Father, condemnation is from the enemy. Grace and mercy and love is from our God. So thank you, Lord, that you reminded us, Lord, that you are pleased when we come and raise our hands and we worship you, Father. That which the enemy is trying to take, Father, you are telling us, no, it is not that I am here. Worship me and I will reward you, Lord. He's telling us, I am your peace. And so thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that for everyone today here that's burdened, Father, release that. Your work is, your yoke is lighter, you say, Lord. Take that away, Father. And let this not be a one-time experience, Father. Let this be etched in our hearts, etched in our hearts, Father, that we are always reminded, Father, that whether here or at home or on the road or workplace, you stand there, right there, open-armed to embrace us, to love on us, Father. We appreciate that, Father. We give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.